Hello, hello, and welcome to All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracu. Jacob, where is the snow at? Why did they stress us out? Dude. Do you think it's coming tonight? So we are recording this. This is Thursday. So to all you people in the future, perhaps you're like... You ignorant fools, we are buried in snow. Yeah, How like, dare you? Like, I am now eating my pets because I ran <laughs> out of food gross. days ago. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It just, I, I'm depressed. Is that where it. you're going right away? You're just no. like three days hungry and you're going to eat your sweet old cat? They're nothing no, but, there's nothing but skin and bones. I know, she's too old to be a good <laughs> yeah. meal. Like, it's just like, ah, you can just go naturally. No, not going <laughs> to eat pets right away. Oh, how nice. This is Buffalo. If you really need to find some uh, animal proteins, there are plenty running around if you want to be gross about it. Yeah, that is gross. Uh, and there's like barely animals running around. You have not traveled to Asian countries, I see, because oh, no. there are animals running around. Mm. I just got little puppers everywhere, and I love it. <laughs> also, Jacob, I wanted to say gong ti fa tai. I thought you were learning Mandarin. I am, but I haven't gotten to that lesson. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you on? Uh, I was expecting more from that. That is the greeting for the uh, Chinese Lunar New Year. Oh, see, I just got like the basic ones. Sure. You're like, your, your where your is gaoshins. the bathroom? <laughs> I got it. Um, ho, ho Xiao, Jacob, Marico, you know, that kind of stuff. In case you didn't know, Chinese Lunar New Year began this past Tuesday, so um, almost oh, a week ago for everyone listening. All of us football fans are well aware of that because in our heartbreak at the AFC Championship game, they kept pointing out that, like, it's the year of the Tiger here because of the Bengals making it to oh. the Super Bowl. Had to hear it a couple of times, well, and every time tried not to throw something at my television screen. Makes sense, though. Makes sense. But it is that auspicious time of year where a lot of people put on their best red clothes, um, eat a fish for luck. And I think um, probably really dutifully abide by their Chinese mother's superstitions. You would <laughs> hope so. That's a big thing. I have a Chinese friend, and um, yeah, her parents like are wildly superstitious. Oh, it's, I'm, like a, yeah. it's a really big thing. Um, They're out there throwing red uh, envelopes at each other. And hey Amen. You got to do what you got to do. Eating a whole bunch of delicious food. I mean, shout, shout out to Home Taste, sponsor the show. It's a good restaurant over by your place, actually. Home Taste? Home Taste. Highly recommended. Best Chinese food in Buffalo. Legit Chinese food, too. Wow, that's a hard thing to say. But oh, I'm, I will. I'm saying it. I'm All saying right, it. I'll have to check it out. But more than just the beginning of a new calendar year, the Lunar New Year um, is seen as a time of reunion and rebirth. It is marking the end of winter and the start of spring, which is a huge LOL for us in Buffalo <laughs> yeah. right now. But ah. whatever. Um, it's on so the other side this. of the world, so. According to legend, a monster would emerge from under the earth at the start of every year and eat villagers. It could have just been Jacob. Yeah, and since the monster, called Nian, which is Chinese for year, was afraid of bright lights and loud noises in the color red, they were used to exile the beast, and then they've all become really associated with the holiday. See? That's so much better than the way we do it, where they're just like, everybody get drunk and we're going to watch a ball fall Yeah, for 10 this seconds. is like everybody get ready to battle a, a demon monster from under the earth. You're like, oh, man, this is Everything's very so much cooler. It's going to be like a, gonna be a nine-tail fox running around in the background. It's going to be awesome, <laughs> dude. But um, as Jacob said, this is the Zodiac Year of the Tiger, so that's pretty cool. Do you know what you are? I do not, actually. I was going to look that up, and I did not. From 83, oh, wow. so I'm probably going to go with 
pig? You can't just make it up. You guess. don't know. I'm gonna look it up. Actually. Go look it up. I am monkey. A mon- oh. The year the monkey is, I think, doesn't come again till like 2028 or something like that. So, but I'll be ready. Um, I didn't know the year of the monkey happened in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even funny. Why do I laugh? I'm ashamed of oh myself. Oh my God, I got it right. You oh, are? I was. I was 1983. The Zodiac was the pig that year. You Look probably that. know it because any Chinese buffet restaurant that you went to as a young person, like they always had the little <laughs> placemat that had all of them on there. I feel like oh, that's where I got you, most of my information. You act like uh, I was going to Chinese buffets as a child here in Buffalo. It d- that did not occur. Oh boy, I don't. I don't want to dig into to Jacob's Some childhood. Childhood trauma. This it's all about chicken fingers and French fries. It's please, all it was. please. Please let me out of this. I regret everything. Fortune. But anyway, what better way to celebrate this Lunar New Year than, as always, curling up with a good book? Of course. So for today, with that in mind, we have rounded up some books that are about Chinese heritage so that if you're looking to know more about the culture, ba-boom, these are the books that will help you do it. We have some fiction and some nonfiction. It's going to do it, guys. It's what you need to check out. It's the basics. Can I just say in the beginning... Um, I just want to apologize right at the start that I might not say all of the names completely correctly. Oh, I feel like, yeah, that we're definitely going to be blowing those. I looked up some of the words that I had to say already, but I'm not going to be sure about all the names. So we will see. But the first book that I want to talk about is called How Much of These Hills is Gold? Nice. This is by C. Pam Zhang. So what this is about is that their ba dies in the night and then ma is already gone. So we have these newly orphaned children of immigrants, Lucy and Sam, um, who are suddenly alone in America in this land that pretty much refutes their existence. So they're fleeing the threats of their western mining town and they set off to bury their father in the only way that will set him free from his past. And I don't want to say too much of that because you kind of figure that out in the story. And along the way, it's kind of amazing. They encountered giant buffalo bones, tiger paw prints, and the specters of a really ravaged landscape, um, as well as family secrets, sibling rivalry. I mean, different glimpses of the future, all the stuff you want in a good drama. So how much of These Hills is Gold is a really haunting but adventure story. And it is... I would say both really epic but also intimate, and it blends Chinese symbolism and reimagines history with fiercely original language and storytelling. It's a great book to start with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what we're trying to do here is getting shining a light on that. An immigrant story for Chinese people in America has not always been the greatest. Yeah, to be like little foreign children and then you have no parents and you're like, well, this isn't great. That's not great. That's not a great start. No matter who you are, it's definitely not going to be good if you don't really speak English or don't know anybody. or It's really tough. I don't think we don't consider the journey enough, but you know, this is a good time to do it. Jacob, yeah. what do you, I know, I just know in my heart what book you're starting with. I, mean, I know it. you got to. I mean, as a white dude in America, I feel like Here the one <laughs> book that we all know about because we hear about it every week, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. I mean, yeah. it's the obvious one. If you somehow don't know or you have never seen a thing involving football coaches, executives, highly successful people who have who, you know, spent five seconds figuring out what the best thing to say is. <laughs> that does seem Ar- true. Art of War is one of the oldest preserved books in China. It's a timeless classic. It's basically Sun Tzu was this great general um, in China. Um who basically was undefeated, and he came up with this strict system that he would use in order to achieve victory all the time. And it 
it works. Like everything in this book is effective. They, it's still taught in military at West Point. This is like a required reading in class. Like they go over this left and right and center. They definitely make sure you cover it. Military leaders and such all over the world read it. It basically just gives you advice on how to win a war. And people here love it that aren't generals or business people. They're just trying to get whatever magic tips are from that book. We cannot keep it on the shelf. I mean, oh, no. we it, always have to replace it, too. I mean, it gets damaged because so many hands are on this book. If you're a rapper, it's, like, basically handed to you at the same time that you get, like, a pen and paper. To it's like very read fascinating, or... and I feel dumb now because I never bothered to read it. But really? I, I guess I should. I actually did read it because, of course, I did. And, yeah, it's actually got some good stuff in there. There's a lot of advice, like, you know, try to win battles, by, um, you know. Like, win battles when you're not there, only fight when you have the advantage or it's even. Like, strike where the enemy's weak, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know how stuff. this would help me in my life, but maybe. Well, depends on what you're trying to do. You try to jump over some of these other librarians, you know, you got to strike them when they're weak. <laughs> That's it. I'm trying to take everyone down. That's trying right. to get right to the top. <laughs> Last week was the prime time. You could have taken out a couple in their in their Buffalo Bills uh, depression, but we're working I'm at work those. trying to make sure that my newly repotted plant is living the best life it can. That's where I'm at. So uh, I think it's a good place to be. Maybe I'll save the book for later. But okay, yes, of course, you should check out yeah, The Art of War. Pretty obvious. Go check it out. You're going to love it. Um, okay, so this book, this is the one that I actually have on my shelf at home. Um, I always like to read a book in the month that kind of represents what's going on. This is called Factory Girls mm. by Leslie T. Chang. Um, okay, so China is home to 130 million migrant workers is really crazy to think about and every year they travel from their home villages for the new year's holiday and it's the world's largest migration of anything mm -hmm. so leslie t chang tells the story of these migrant workers through two young women who are working on the assembly lines um, of the industrial city dongguan and chang follows these women for three years observing how the economic boom of China has changed the lives of so many women working in the factories. And then from Chang's own history to the real hardships and the human side of China's manufacturing industry, this book is its a must-read, so I heard, on Chinese culture and history. Because that whole, like, if you have ever th wondered where pretty much everything you own comes from and when you're christmas shopping i mean really we sh you need to think about where your items come yeah. from where your food comes from they're really fascinating stories it makes you a different consumer maybe a more conscious one um but i guess you know all of that is explained in factory girls and i've heard nothing but great things about it i mean everybody knows that you know not like slave labor that's not the right way to say it but like a lot of low cost like labor is think, coming out of china and yeah stuff. i think a lot of it is borderline and it's because they're treating them as migrant workers like people are really poor in these villages and they're mm -hmm. all traveling to the big city um i'm fascinated by china i mean i heard there's a whole city that just trains uh, like chinese food service workers so that they can go to america and work in chinese restaurants Hmm. There's like a city. That one I'd have to check up on. That I'm not no, sure about that. No, that's real. But, uh, it was in a doc awesome. It was in this documentary oh, I was really? watching. Yes, Ooh. like it's such a thing. I'm gonna go check they that They train place these out. people so that they can go to America and work in like food service. It's, it's fascinating. Hello, everyone. We're now in our junior year. <laughs> it is time for you all to learn General Sow's chicken. <laughs> this is our master class. Next week, uh, pepper steak. You're such an idiot. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you thought we were going to do a Chinese accent on the show? You were incorrect. Uh, the teacher's very fancy. But, yeah, so check out Factory Girls. Jacob, back to you. All right. So the next one, as we all know, these they all have years and such and animals associated with them. So how about knowing why they're named that way? Yeah, why am I a monkey? Let's go with The Race for the Chinese Zodiac by Gabrielle Wang. So basically what this is is there's like a whole legend and story about why these years are named the way they are, what the order is and such like that. Like why red is first, why the sheep is eighth, and, you know, the boar is the last one in the cycling calendar. So what this author did, she's recalling stories that her mom used to tell her when she was a kid um, about something called the Great Race, which is, you know, the legend of why the years are set up the way they are. Okay. And... It's basically like an illustrated book so that everybody who has absolutely no idea what, um, you know, what the years are, you just read this book. You get to have a nice comic booky version to show you, like, what happened, what's the story, what's the deal with the Chinese uh, calendar. Because, you know, Westerners, we do find it a little weird that they have it, you know, animals for each year. It's, I love it. I do, too. It's, like, a lot more interesting, like, uh, one, two, three. Sure. Most interesting thing we got to remember is BCAD, and like you don't. What does AD stand for? Like nobody knows. Oh, it's a thing lost to time. I do know, and then I Uh just forget because I have no recall. So I learn things, and then they're where do they go? Even what? Yeah, even when you think you know what BC means, you're probably incorrect. Yeah, that's true. Um, But yeah, um, it's one of those things about Chinese culture. It's a very basic thing, but not anybody knows it. So it's always good to get like a you know a child more child friendly. And why they picked each animal. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, the great race, or the race for the Chinese zodiac, find out why the years are named the way they are. Check out a good little um, book with some good illustrations. God, I love Everything is a good little something. Look, you get a tale about anthropomorphized. Did I nail it? That's close enough. You're you're in the ballpark. Get those animals going. That's all I want, man. You ever hear, like, the story of the... um, like the uh, monkey king and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, like the fact they got that going on. Get those animals going. So he says, okay, next book on gold mountain by Lisa C. So in 1867, Lisa C's great, great grandfather arrived in America where he prescribed herbal remedies to immigrant laborers who were, I mean, treated a little better than slaves. This is not, not a great time. And his son, Fong Si later built a mercantile empire and married a Caucasian woman in spite of laws that were prohibiting interracial marriage. So Lisa, the author herself, grew up playing in her family's antique stores in Los Angeles's Chinatown and listening to stories of missionaries and prostitutes and movie stars and Chinese baseball teams. And then with these stories in her own years of research, Lisa C. chronicles the 100-year odyssey of her Chinese-American family. And again, that this history that is going to encompass racism, romance, secret marriages, um, some entrepreneurial geniuses in there, and a lot more. So it's really these two distinctly different cultures, but how they meet in a new world. This is also a really good jumping off point to kind of understand the immigrant story better as well. Yeah. It's such a bad story, dude. Like the immigration of like Chinese people to America. It's just a harrowing. We haven't been great to everybody. <laughs> Where have you heard that story before? It's like, I know. Oh. It's kind of a bummer. But again, a big part of the battle is learning these things so that you can change your perceptions and then you pass those lessons on to the people around you. And I think that that's an excellent way. And that's what we're here for. It's basically, hey, hey, 
be cool, dude. Hey, man. Be, hey. Be cool. Hey, hey. Knock it off. Be cool. Hey, stop. <laughs> stop it. Be you're, good. You're dumb. Okay, what else? Yeah, well, let's get another one. Instead of going to like the old uh, Chinese immigration story, let's get a more modern one. Uh, it's, it's a recent show on uh, television. I think it was on ABC. I'm not totally sure. Um, but Fresh Off the Boat by oh Eddie God. Huang. People love that show, they I know. They do, man. That is a, that's a big old hit for mm-hmm. ABC. So in case you don't know what it is, um, it's the story of uh, – what the heck is the name there? Yeah. Whatever. So it's, it's okay. a story of this family that moves to uh, America um, from China. Uh, and Well, the parents did. And it's a story of their child who is an ABC, which if you are not up on the parlance, means American-born Chinese, which is an actual thing in the Chinese community where you do get differentiated a bit if yeah. you are born in China as opposed to born in the United States. Um, so it's kind of like... The story is what it's like to be an American-born Chinese person growing up in America and also trying to live with your culture from China because the two don't really mesh that well, and they both kind of have problems with the other. Like it's Caught not between so many different worlds. Yeah, and it, you think it's going to be an easy thing, but you know there are prejudices from the Chinese side as well when they think that you're an American because then you're not considered "quote unquote" a real Chinese person mm-hmm. because of you know you have the American upbringing and American like in stuff. um. Harold and Kumar, when they call him Twinkie. Oh, yeah. Which is like mm-hmm. super, super offensive. Ban- Yellow on ba- the outside, white on the inside. Banana is another one that they are quite a fan of when it comes Man, to people that. People can be so cruel to they, even their own people. It's <laughs> rough. <laughs> it's a story of America, basically, yeah. let me tell you. Um, but yeah, if you want to get this book, it's a it. We're making it sound a little more intense than it is. This is a comedy, folks. So you get to feel like you get to get some chuckles in here, get some laughs as you're reading it. Yeah. And the TV show is very good as well. So that way you don't have to just read. You can also get a visual aid to go with it. Um, yeah, go check out Fresh Off the Boat, um, season whatever it's on. We have it here at the library. I'm sure. Who's the author of the book? Bo- of the book? Uh, Eddie Huang is Eddie the Huang. author. Okay. So go check that one out, everyone. Well, because you mentioned that, I have to bring up um, the graphic novel American Born Chinese. Oh, there you go. So this is by Jean Luen Yang, and this dude's super. He's super smart. He's one of those people who won the MacArthur Genius Grant. So like, this guy's got it going on, but. This graphic novel is a, is a super tour de force. Um, it tells the story of three apparently unrelated characters. Jin Wang, who moves to a new neighborhood with his family, only to discover that he is the only Chinese-American student at his new school. We have the powerful Monkey King. which oh, um, that's my guy. That's your guy. So that's subject of one of the oldest and greatest Chinese fables. And then we have Chin Ki, um, a personification, excuse me, of the ultimate negative Chinese stereotype who is ruining his cousin Danny's life with his yearly visits. So they really lean into like the stereotypical, the teeth, the eyes, the mm-hmm. clothing. Um, and their lives and their stories all come together with a really unexpected twist in this kind of um, modern day fable. American born Chinese is an amazing ride all the way up to the really great climax at the end. The, the artistry is fantastic. It's very, very easy to follow. I know some people don't like reading graphic novels. This mm. one, I think, is so very clear. The illustration, everything is very lifelike looking, um, really separated into boxes. So it's very easy to follow. It's, it's truly an excellent book. It's for kids and it's for adults. I know they were teaching this in school for a while. It won a bajillion prizes. Um, it was a New York Times bestseller. 
it's a great place to start and especially if you want the children in your household to read something i highly recommend american born chinese i never got the the hatred of graphic novels that some people have I think when people, it comes as a medium i mean i think it's just different mm. people need time with it they have a harder time reading it or understanding the direction that it flows i know is a big one it's more one of those things that the more you read them the more comfortable yeah. you become but i think that's like a lot of things like i don't like video games that's I'm true. like that's that especially it's like first person now that's way too confusing but if I did it then I would get it. And I was crushing it on Halo Infinite till late last night. Michelle, let me tell you no, I was in the me. zone. I had a 28 and 2. I was just killing people. I don't I was getting sweared at oh in languages God. I didn't understand. It was fantastic. I know wow. I was doing great. That was a really great segue thank you so much but anyway check out american born chinese jacob what else do you have <laughs> all right the next one i'm going to go with is china in 10 words by yu hua uh yu hua is a ch renowned chinese author who is going to decide to take you on a uh, journey through the complexities and contrast in china but he does it in just 10 different words and concepts commonly found in the chinese vernacular hmm. so those those things are uh people leader reading writing Lu Zun, that's kind of one of those. I'm sorry on the pronunciation on that one. Yeah. Revolution, disparity, grassroots, copycat, and bamboozle. Which, if they have a word for bamboozle, I think I want to learn that, like, immediately. That's so interesting, but there's so much history behind just these ten words that there's a book. Yeah, and there's wow. a whole thing about it. Um, so when I asked about it, the author said uh, if he was to uh, try to attend each and every aspect of modern China, there would be no end to this book. Um, so he just kind of went on. So he just limits himself to these 10 words so that he can focus what he wants to talk about with uh, Chinese society and kind of dig into it okay. in a more laser-focused I'm interested. Idea. Yeah. I don't totally get it. So it sounds really interesting. I mean, in the language, the writing, that it's amazing to look at. Yeah, I mean— When I, I lived in Japan, I was like, I will never— I mean, oh. I could read some of it, but they have, like, three alphabets, mm -hmm. and then they have just kanji, which is, like— not an alphabet, but each symbol is a word. And I was like, how can you learn all of this? There's just thousands of them. When I was figuring out which to try to learn, they were like, okay, do you want to learn uh, Mandarin? You want to do Cantonese? I'm like, uh, I don't know, I guess Mandarin, because it's the one I heard of. Even though Cantonese, I probably should have gone with, because that's the Hong I think Kong more one. people speak Mandarin. Well, it's mainland, yeah. mainland China. And then like, you know, Cantonese is more Hong Kong kind of language. And yeah. Then they're like, oh, you want to learn traditional, simplified or pinyin? Oh I'm like, my oh, my God, God dude. I'm like, just give me the, the basic. Give me the basic. That's all I need. That's going to be tricky. It's a it's a hard language. But I do have a friend who, I mean, he moved to China for two years and then he came back and he was really fluent in it. So. Yi air san chi. It's, Ooh, Lou. it's we, got, it's, we got them all, baby. It's doable. Okay, my next book I want to recommend is called *The Corpse Walker* by Liao Yiwu. Um, this is kind of one of those if you want to meet the regular people of China, this is a really fantastic book. Um, I'd say I guess if you're looking for like on the street information, this would be a must read for you. Um, so Yiwu goes on a journey across China to meet the ordinary people who are often those cast at the bottom of society, but who really make China tick. So they go to one person who is a professional mourner, which I just, oh, I like that I job. Love that. Then there's a grave robber in the story. They go to a public toilet manager, um, mm, a Falun Gong practitioner, 
bet you don't even know what that is, have to read the book. And the thing is, is that the author is really a master at getting his interview subjects to talk really openly, which I think is tricky. Yeah, it's always China. tricky. Um, but the result is a book that it's really moving, it's really funny, and it's really, really fascinating because you're finding out about these ordinary people in modern China that you have never thought of, you did not know exist, um, and it's the best way to understand a cult, uh, a country, and a culture. No, that's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, and it's called the Corpse Walker. Well, I wonder. It's I want an that. awesome title. Let's, get, let's dig into that job. Who's the Corpse oh, Walker? I gotta take my corpses on their daily walk. And he will. <laughs> he will get into it, and you will be very into it. So I know in Hong Kong, one. there's like you could be a professional white person, and you could just be hired by some Chinese families to like be a white person to go to like business meetings with them because it makes you look more official and That's like, like more legit. It is horrible, but. It's good work if you can get it, I guess. Like if the I, show I mean, up, I guess it's so depressing. Get a David Schwimmer haircut and wear, wear like a <laughs> French shirt or whatever that it is. It's like, I am white man. <laughs> that David Schwimmer haircut was the worst <laughs> TV haircut. Um, Could this haircut be any worse? <laughs> but anyway, we are running <laughs> it, out of time. It, it you want to you want to do like one more? Uh, yeah. I how about okay? We're gonna more. go with this one. Uh, China Witness by Jin Ran. Uh, so this author went and he wanted to give a voice to the quote unquote silent generation of China who are kind of like the older people. Uh, so he went around the country and he was only talking to grandparents and great grandparents, uh, specifically the people who experienced the changes in China in two specific periods. Mm. Uh, 1912, when 5,000 years of feudal rule ended, 5,000 years, Isn't boy that, oh boy, right? I can't even imagine it. And 1949, when uh, the Mao Zedong rose to power and there was the big uh, cultural revolution there. Oh, I've heard stories about that. And you want to talk about like a horrifying situation I if know. you were over the age of like 23. Some of these are going to be dark. The straight up Logan's Run scenario there. Um, but the book is about paying tribute to these uh, incredible men and women who lived through the war, revolution, famine, urbanization that's still going on. They watched China go from an agricultural state to like a modern country, a, like one of the world's superpowers, with 1.3 billion people like at last count. Oh man, that's so that's many a lot people. of people. So you get to meet like the people who lived through the huge change. Can you imagine going from being a feudal society to like if you're alive it, from that to like now what China really, is? It's really it's really fascinating. It's mind blowing, dude. So I mean, go go find out. Like China is a fascinating country with how much it's changed and how quickly it's go five thousand years in one thing and you've changed two governments in less than a hundred. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. But, and it's like good to get these stories. It's like I'm so glad they're written down. Oh because, yeah. You know these people are not going to be around forever. Um, I'm going to mention a couple just to check out before I talk about my last one. You should read The Night Tiger by Yangtze Chu. Uh, you should check out Dragon Springs Road by Janie Chang. And this book, Minor Feelings, an Asian American Reckoning by Kathy Park Hong. That's a really great um, provocative memoir. But I'm gonna talk about the book, The Souls of China. Mm -hmm. um, this is by Ian Johnson. So China right now is in the midst of one of the world's greatest spiritual awakenings. There are some 300 million Chinese who currently practice a faith, while tens of millions more follow personal gurus, populist masters, and like new age sages. So this astonishing re revival began in 1982 when the Communist Party pledged to allow what it thought would be small-scale practice of religion under government supervision. Of course. Uh, 
of course. But the faithful have expanded far beyond the party's expectations. Today, China's cities and villages are filled with new temples, with churches, with mosques, as well as cults, sects, and politicians trying to harness religion for their own ends. So fueling this resurgence is a popular desire to rediscover a moral compass in a society driven by just naked capitalism. Oh, absolutely. Like, 100%. So for six years, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Ian Johnson lived for extended periods with three religious communities. The underground early reign Protestant congregation in Chengdu, the Ni Family's Buddhist Pilgrimage Association in Beijing, and Ying Yang, Taoist priests in rural Shanks. I don't know how to say that city. Are you going to know that? Shangxi, man. I like that. Shangxi. Um, so Johnson distills these experiences into a cycle of festivals, births, deaths, detentions, and struggle um, that end up really revealing the hearts and minds of the Chinese people and just this great awakening of faith that is shaping the soul of, I mean, the world's newest superpower. Oh, so cool, dude. Like, it's it's so, a lot of stuff, man. It's a lot of stuff. Just a fascinating, interesting country, man. The more you'll read about it, the more you learn. Also, look, I'm going to say titch, titch on the scary side. The titch? Just a titch. <laughs> just, it's, I'm celebrating Lunar Year and being respectful. Titch scary. But, yeah, what? these are great books. Um, Chinese cultural heritage is very important, and it's super interesting, which makes it easier to read about. So, on that note, Jacob... Why don't you plug us up? Guys, there's a million things to learn about China, and the only place to really get all of it is to stop by your local library. We have 37 branches all throughout Erie County, so stop on by and say hi. Let us know what you're looking for. Uh, Don't forget to check out our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what programs and books we got coming in. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what you did for the new Chinese New Year. Yeah, we'd love that. Um, Okay, so speaking of this Chinese New Year, it is a festival for one quarter of the world's population. Party! So the world's population will be 7.76 billion for this 2022 Spring Festival and over... Did I say billion or million? You said billion. Okay, good. So over two billion celebrated in some way, even if it's just like a national acknowledgement. Um, so the countries that have public holidays during Chinese New Year are China, Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, South Korea, Malaysia, North Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Brunei. I read something that the U.S. is talking about an official holiday really? for Chinese New Year, but that is a lot of people. Oh, that is... Yeah. That's all of them. Yeah, a quarter of the quarter of the world, man. That's yeah. Thinking do. about that's wild. Um, did you know on Chinese New Year people eat very auspicious foods, as Jacob mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all really eaten for their symbolic meaning. This includes dumplings. Those are eaten because they represent wealth. The more dumplings you eat, the more money you're gonna make in the new year. Well, I'll be a Keep rich man. Shoveling dude. them down. Throw dumplings at my head. Fish is eaten because the word for fish in Chinese sounds like surplus. So just because it sounds like it, they're like, heck yeah. I like it. I like the way they did that. Eating the fish. So <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. Um, there's more stuff like that that you can read about. Um, the festival causes the world's largest annual migration because the holiday is so important to Chinese people. Everyone is traveling to make that reunion with their family. 
200 million mainland Chinese travel long distances for the holidays, and it is estimated that there are 3.5 billion journeys in China. That's so cool, dude. That's a lot of people moving around. That's a lot of people. And then tens of millions of people travel in other countries, too, and it ends up marking the annual, the largest annual human migration um, in the world. So, for example, less than 100 million people travel more than 50 miles during the Christmas holidays. And We're you, talking 3.5 a billion and we, journeys And we all know how well the, uh, the system works under those 100 million moving around here in America. It's not a headache at all to go somewhere in yeah, the It's getting a little rough. And then this is my favorite fact. Um, it's really tough out there on Chinese New Year for the old singles. So they hire fake boyfriends and girlfriends very big for this holiday um good work if you can get it again yeah so chinese new year should be a joyful time but for singles above the normal matrimonial age is not so great so in china females are said to be marriageable up to 30 mm. and males before 32 so for quote unquote old singles parents are extremely anxious and during new year's that stress is just really heightened it's really embarrassing for people it's really put on display so to solve this problem and to have like to show up and have like a random person there that your parents are like hello marry this person so to solve it this is a crazy solution you can rent a boyfriend or a girlfriend for the new year there are tons of websites and there's agents that specialize in the business the price is about 100 won a day which is $16. Hey. Steal of a deal. 6345789. Give us a call everybody. <laughs> Get yourself a boyfriend or girlfriend. Um okay, well thank you so much for listening. Stay warm out there and we will catch you next time. Gaoshing. Yeah,